Yes, lad. Hey, up. How are we doing, Scott? Yes, boy. Here we are. Episode three. Episode three in the bag. And today we're going to be discussing each of our careers, aren't we, lad? Oh, aye. We've both got two interesting jobs. So we're going to let you guys, the listeners, know a little bit more about what we do. And uh, yeah, see if, you, see if you dig it. I nearly messed up then. I nearly said gig it. But you said dig it. Yeah, I got really excited. <laughs> I knew the break was coming in the music and I was like, oh, oh, oh. It, uh, it always feels super successful when you hit that that little drop, doesn't it? It's all right. We've got plenty of time to do that. Plenty so, of practice, lad. That's it. So, so anyway, careers. Yes. So uh, we're going to touch on this. We're, we're going to talk about both ourselves today. Or you, you're talking about me and I'm talking about you. I'm going to give you some questions, lad. I'm going to delve deep inside you. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ. And see, see what comes out. Nice. I'm going to slag your food off. Yeah? Yeah. Doubt it, lad. Doubt it. <laughs> no one can slag my food off other than me. Egotistical maniac. Yeah. Right, welcome to episode three, A Up Podcast. Smashing. Pew, 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 pew. Question time for you, Scott. Go. Yeah? <laughs> that <laughs> was intense. got to marry one, fuck one, kill one. Which <laughs> one? <laughs> oh, stepbrothers, you remember that? Yeah, I remember brilliant. that. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Oh... Anyway, hey, thanks for tuning in to episode three. And I hope uh, you've enjoyed episode one and two so far. I hope they do too. And um, yeah, what we're going to do is just, just give you a little bit more information about us because friendship and all that. How mad is it that somebody could be listening to this right now and it be could, you know, it could be 2052? I mean, they could be. I don't know if that platform, I don't know if the platform, I mean... I don't think this platform would still be there in 2052. Well, things I move mean, super fast, don't uh, they? You know, but I mean, remember like um, those millennial capsules that people dug in the ground in school <laughs> yeah, and left yeah, like cassette tapes, blue pizza things. Yeah, 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 yeah. We could be dug down deep <laughs> on a a, a thingy, what's they called, USB stick. Who's gonna do that? My mum. Well, my anybody? Mom. I'm gonna put in here. I might do podcast. it. I might do it so my sons can listen to it when they're a bit older. That's, that's a great idea. You should definitely. You should definitely do it. So they can get to know me mm. as a wanker. <laughs> yes, as a, a true bad. wanker. That true dad wanker. was. Yeah. yeah. Right. Well, right. Crazy. Enough, enough for that. <laughs> Let's just get to the point. <laughs> All right, lad. Back to the story. So Scott. So Matthew. Ah, it sounds so formal. This. Uh, mm. What's your job role, lad? What What do you do as a career? All right. So I'll give you a little a little rundown of what I do. So I'm, I'm a live sound engineer. Did we cover this already in an episode? So I think we touched it, didn't we? So we touched on it and uh, we gave them a brief history last time of how we met and where we left off. Oh, that so was we, it. we left off on uh, our little... Adventure. S- our adventure is Scutter Promotions, didn't That's we? That's it. We left, we left to our adventure of careers. Yeah. Yeah, so, all right. Well, what I do is I'm a live sound engineer and I work with bands and musical artists of many different kinds. Uh, and I tour, that's what I typically do. Um, I'm not just working in a venue in Manchester or, or wherever. I'm touring. And in that, what I do is, as a role, is a monitor engineer, is the role of me touring. And are you going to explain a little bit what a monitor engineer does exactly for those? Not sure, Matthew. <laughs> uh, yeah, so a monitor engineer is like, so basically there's like three roles, I suppose, touring as a being a sound engineer. Um, in kind of the scale that I'm doing, I'm I'm doing like, let's just say, if an artist, if I'm with an artist, they'll be doing like up to ten thousand people in London. Mm-hmm. Is that kind of size? So yeah. of that kind of size, you typically get like three touring personnel being sound engineers. One of them is called a front of house engineer, and that's the guy who's in the middle of the room, 
and he mixes the sound that all the audience here. Then assisting him, we'll have the systems tech who will tune the PA and get it sounding right before the front of house guy gets up. Mm-hmm. And what I do currently is I am a monitor engineer, which is the guy on stage, and I look after the band and what they require to hear on stage. I'm with you. So so a drummer requires more bass. You're in charge of getting the levels correct. Yeah, so well, I'm in charge of each mix, and by that I mean each individual has their own mix on stage, be it from a monitor on the floor, uh, facing a speaker facing them on the floor, or uh, what we call an in-ear monitor, which is like like wearing your headphones right now. Massive production when it comes to bands, isn't it? Like it, le- the the intense little details that no one has a clue about. No, oh no, no, yeah, it's mental, yeah. Like you go watching a band, well, from my point of view, I go watching a band, all I see is the band on stage, the instruments... And then the sound engineer in the back. Yeah, and it, everyone everyone knows how to mix sound as well when they go watch a show. A drum kit sounds <laughs> shit. Yeah. Yeah, cheers, mate. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so like what we'll do is we'll like, I'll, we'll be mixing. So everything that you see on, on that stage will have a microphone in front of it. Be it, you know, one kick drum, one snare drum, you know, a violin or anything. Everything's got to be mic'd up individually. And mm-hmm. then what we will do as sound engineers is process that channel. Yeah, like we're processing these microphones right now. Is is this the only role you have played as a touring engineer, or have you kind of gone round? Uh, well, I used to be a front house engineer, and yeah. then I got the opportunity to be a monitor engineer, and I I tickled on it, like doing other jobs. Yeah, but never in the touring sense. Mm-hmm. And then when I got offered the job, I started doing that, and it's way different than a front house gig. A front house gig is way different than being a monitor engineer. Okay, do you want to know why? Go on. You just got to be nice to people. No, you're not. You've not really. You, it's a lot more personable. Okay. The idea is like when you're mixing with ten thousand people in the audience, you're mixing for those people, but you, as a front of house engineer, have control over how the mix sounds. Don't get me wrong. The band might say, "Hey, we like the way that you mix, Mister Front House Engineer," but we'd like you to mix it like the record. Yeah. Or you know, be you. You know, do what you do. You know, add your own charm onto it. You know, they might have different reverbs and different delays that they may like artistic things that they might want to throw in mm-hmm. whereas me i have to do exactly what the artist wants um and deliver what they want not what i want and you like that because you're a people person scott <laughs> it's a different role it is a very very different role it's very difficult because you can get things sounding great and then you have to really you have to be really manageable and adapt real quick yeah so i could go oh well, i don't like what the singer's got in his mix and i have to at some point say it doesn't sound right and I have to get it sounding a bit better but then at the same time I have to acknowledge that that's what he likes or she likes yeah sure yeah yeah it's difficult so, so it's yeah it's just it's a it's a per, it's a pizza it's a pizza it's a it's a you have to be a people's person the reason I'm laughing is because I saw a great meme the other day and it was a guy holding a goose and the, the guy <laughs> the guy did you see this no a, the guy said I'm a people's person and the goose said I'm a geese's goose <laughs> Just that saying I'm a people's person. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You have to be a people's person to do that job, yeah. And it is 50% ability and 50% personality. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure it is. Which I don't know why I've got a job, because my personality... You're an angry cat, aren't you? Can be, yeah. Can be. (laughs) No, you're a fucking pussycat, bro. So yeah, that's a brief description of uh, what I do. Nice, nice. Um, So, from... Where we left off in our career in Scutter Promotions. Yeah. That wasn't career. That was just, it wasn't, that was just jokes. Though. You know, it was, <laughs> it was a great lifestyle. Yeah. Uh, you went from there into where you are now. 
mm. obviously a lot in between it, but um, you ended up after that jumping out of uh, our promotions company into working for other PA companies, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then eventually ended up abroad working so, for a little bit. So to tie into like the last episode as well, um, I think that that was the episode where we mentioned being optimistic and opportunity. Yeah, that's you right. You know, if we if we if we didn't do that club, I wouldn't be in the career that I'm in now. Um, and the big thing is, one of the sound engineers that was in that club where we was promoting, um, when he left that club, um, he started his own PA company. Right. So I actually joined his PA company mm-hmm. and did a load of work with him through that, and then that's kind of where I got more a lot more experience. Being a PA guy, you can hear your nose whistling down the microphone. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the listeners going, "What is that noise?" Oh, oh, I apologise. Just nozzle that. Jesus. Um, that's it, basically. Yeah. So I, was, I went from P- into PA stuff, and then from PA stuff, I slowly went into touring. And what happened? Uh, where, where was it? You ended up abroad and um, was that significant to the story do you want to say, tell us about that yeah well yeah so basically when i was with the pa company i i kind of yearned to tour that's what i wanted to do because sure. through through the venue in in wigan we had touring bands coming in and out and i kind of loved that i kind of loved that they could tour and drop off so i always wanted to do touring and then an opportunity came along for me to go live in uh, menorca and mix bands what i thought was bands it turned out to be tripyaks and that that started my touring thing, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Lived abroad, basically. But you, big, you big fish in little pond, wouldn't you, lad? Like me, we both jumped. That's it. Both we literally both just jumped out of the country, didn't we? Yeah, at the same fucking time. And it yeah. was, it was because we discussed this the other week, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. It literally was. You left in like the April, and yeah. I left in the May. Yeah. And England just weren't Wigan just weren't the same again. It, it? wasn't got to promotions. Uh, we've got some wings. We, we've gone. <laughs> we quite, went. quite literally, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but we'll get into you in a bit because you're you're when you went to France, living in tents and drinking, eating brie and drinking wine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely weren't. It's, what's a cheaper version of brie? Um, milk, <laughs> English brie, <laughs> English brie, <laughs> English brie, and uh, not a Pinar Grigio, or just an Echo Falls, please. Bam. Yeah, lad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I feel you. I feel you. So yeah, that that was where, that's where the progression was, and then from um, living in Menorca, I came back and started working with Tribute Acts. Sure, and then I did. That's how I started touring the UK. Yeah, started touring the UK in a, in a van and and really what we call cutting our teeth. That that first act, uh, I don't know if you want to mention them or not, but the first act you went working with as uh, UK tours, that yeah, that that was a incredibly important part of your career, wasn't it? You, you reckon? What, the, in the tributes? Or yeah, in, the tributes, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. The thing is, like, I, I, I had a lot of time for those boys. It, it was a take that tribute. Yeah. I had a, a lot of time for those boys and a, a few people came and came and went and developing, excuse me, developing relationships was super, super important. Sure, yeah, yeah. Because I did it on a personal level. It wasn't business, it was personal. And I started to develop personal relationships and really let my personality come out in that. And I kept getting hired by them. And it was it was actually linked to the PA company at the time. Right. But they kept requesting that I went because we got on so well. Right. And I felt I did a good job. And one of the, the, the main guy uh, had a good ear for, for music yeah. and sound. And he was like, I like what you're doing. And I really got recognition for what I was doing. 
and I realised that I could. So that's why it was quite prominent to work for them as well, is that I, they realised that I could really do the job that I was there to do. Right. And um, obviously, putting miles in a van. We did one, one tour, once I said tour. So it was like every weekend. It was like pretty much Thursday, Friday, Saturday, we was away. Mm-hmm. And we did, we did a, a stretch, which was Edinburgh, and then the next day was Brighton. <laughs> Imagine that. Oh. Like, if there's any American listeners, like, that's note. That's a note. That's a great way to work. Yeah. Right? <laughs> um, like, it's note. It's nothing that to Americans. But for us, to go from Edinburgh to Brighton in a day. And what was the van? What transport? Oh, LDV pilot. A little tiny one. A little posty van. Well, yeah. I mean, it, it's not a tour bus, is it? No, it was a posty van, yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, great. We were once driving along in that posty van, and the back doors flung open <laughs> down the motorway. And uh, the Mark Owen at the time, <laughs> he turned around, he's like, oh, I dove through the van and grabbed all of the doors and slammed them shut. And oh. we're, dr- we're driving down, and he's literally just holding the doors shut. It's cracking. Did you didn't sleep in that van, did you? No, 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 no. no. Slept in hotel rooms. So with we'd take that, it was always hotels because that's that was part of their contracts. Right. You know, they would not typically get fed as mu- as much. Every now and then we get fed, but there was always like a hotel into it. Or if it wasn't, we would stay in like a decent hostel. Nice. So that was kind of like my baptism into UK touring, and then very briefly I went from that into bands where I did sleep on floors. Yeah, yeah. I've slept on. Kitchen floors, tile kitchen floors, where a party was going on. We were going to get invited back. I think it was in Cardiff, right? I was doing a show in Cardiff. And uh, I said to the tour manager, tour manager, pff, that's, a, that's a loose term, to the bassist. Right. Who was acti- oh, really? Who, who was acting as the tour manager. Yeah. Wow. Oh, a great guy. Absolutely cracking guy. And where are we staying tonight? And he's like, oh, we've not got anywhere. We just put a sign up at merchandise to say, can we stay somewhere? And I was like, wicked. I'm a, I'm a touring sound engineer getting paid. And I'm going to sleep on the floor. But it was, you had, that's what you had to do. You sweet just had to do. Of course it is, yeah, yeah. And uh, we got invited back to this house and the, this, these, these people were like chuffed to bits. That's another great Wigan one. Chuffed bits. <laughs> they were proper chuffed. Throwing them out today. I yeah. Know, yeah. Chuffed that we were going back to their house. Yeah. And we got back there and they were like, yeah, we've organised a party. We were all like, we just want to go to bed. And they were like, well, if you want a quiet space, you can go kitchen. And the kitchen was literally a hard tile floor. Oh. and just curl up and people were coming in putting drinks in the fridge oh, and stuff. Grim. It's what you have to do though. Yeah, I, of course it like, is. Yeah. Would I do that now? Would I? No. Yeah. No, would I? No, not a chance. But cutting teeth that way, like it really made you graft. It really made you work at being knackered and going into work every day and having that mentality for it. So even like in the early times, it was the way I cut my teeth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it was, it was grand, and, and then it just snowballed into what it is now, basically. Ten years from that point, it's ten years now, just over ten years. Wow. And then from that point, it's, I say snowball, it's obviously gradually built. Yeah. But I think we discussed a couple of weeks ago that I was away one time on one tour. I got a phone call, hey, Scott, are you available for this tour? I asked, when does it start? And they're like, this time. And I'm like, cool, that's like when this tour finishes. So I literally got back to the UK straight on another van the bus gone when i was on that tour again i got another call hey can you do this and i jumped from one country to another country mm-hmm. and that's just kind of just non-stop 10 years yeah yeah i've not been home in 10 years <laughs> <laughs> oh you imagine yeah so that's 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 my job mate that's my job that uh sleeping on the floor that that's like um no not many jobs in the world no have uh like the need to sleep on a rough floor like the, that. The beauty is, is like as you, as you would be aware of, is that when you 
load into a venue at those times when you when you're that low down as a, in a band in a career you know your loading time to a venue is like 4 p.m mm-hmm. you know so it doesn't really matter you've got all the time in the world to wake up the next day and drive to the next place sure so it doesn't really matter and then your setup takes no time at all you're not carrying much equipment you're carrying like your guitars and your drums but we're not carrying any audio equipment any lights any staging yeah yeah you know we're not carrying any of that stuff any video, we're not carrying any of that. So it's super easy, it's quick to set up. Once we're set up, that's it. We can just go we can just go nap. Yeah. Whereas now where I'm at, you know, I'm loading in. Well, production starts loading in at like 8 a.m., you know, and then it all comes in in staggered fashion, you know. Yeah. Staging, lighting, video, mm-hmm. sound, personnel, guitar. You know, it's just like, oh. It all comes in the staggered fashion now. Yeah. And it's the same on the loadout. But, you know, my days will now be 10 to 1. You know, they're my days and even like the, the downtime. 10 a.m. to 1 a.m. Yeah, yeah, easy, yeah. yeah. And then the the, the downtime is you're eating. Yep. <laughs> That's pretty much your downtime. Right. Uh, when you're in a bigger production, really. Yeah. Because you you just, you manage to fill your day with jobs. And the, the, obviously, the more involved you get, as you will know as a chef, the more perfection you want. Of course. You know, you can't send that dish out looking like that. So you want it to be a little bit different. Or you realize that, oh, I want... Let's just say, just put it real simple. I want toasted sesame seeds. Well, mm-hmm. you don't just get them out of a pot, do you? You know, you cook the sesame seeds. Sure, yeah. So even the process of it only takes a minute to cook those sesame seeds. You do that 20 times. Yeah. And then you go, oh my God, I'm 20 minutes down. So even when, I don't know if you know how a show works. I'm sure you do. Yeah, been too much, I do. But, but, but go, go for it. So what I'm going to say is there's a period, what we call changeover. Yeah. And the changeover is when the support band finish and your band starts. I'm speaking in like the band I work for as the headliner. Yeah. So the support band finish, and then there's a period between that and then when when, when we start, when my artist starts on stage, that's called changeover. And in that time, it'll typically be 30 minutes. And you'll typically see when you you go to a gig, people just running about on stage and like moving stuff and putting stuff out. And like, why is it always taking so long? Mate, that time is the 30th minutes is mental for me. Right. I do not stop. And I've got a test pack, so I've got a clean ears, I've got a do all sorts. I've got to run cables. I've got to plug stuff in. I've got, oh, mate, it's, 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 and if you, if you're a friend, right, and you come to a show and you're like, oh, can I stand with you? I'm like, don't oh, fucking talk to me. Yeah, yeah. It's super because, pressure. Because high I, pressure. It's just not even that. It's that I've now got 30 things that take one minute to do in yep. 30 minutes. Wow. And I've got to allow for errors. And you just, so you've got to fly. Yeah, yeah. So there's no point. You can't be on over. I, I know that feeling. But you can't. Man. Trust me, you can be on go. Yeah. It's just not a very nice way to do it. Yeah, sure, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Sound engineer living living life on the road. Oh, you must love. It must be amazing. Must be amazing for you. Yeah. It's so, wicked. So all those guys and girls listening out now that thought they wanted to be a sound engineer and uh No, do it. Do it. Yeah. I, I won't change it, mate. Yeah, of I course. won't I won't change it. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. I'm dying right now. I'm sure you are. Soul is dying. Because so, because you're not in work, that's what you mean. Yeah, soul's dying because I'm not meeting new people. Yeah, for those people that might be listening in to 2053. <laughs> yeah, uh, I hear 2053. We are currently in the in COVID 2020, lockdown the world times. stopped. Yeah, <laughs> it did. It was called we'll COVID. Google it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just down. It's just we're just out now. Like live music industry is not not continuing right now. So I'm just I'm not working. And the point is, is that I would meet so many people. And I would visit so many places yeah. and I would challenge myself every day because mm-hmm. every venue is different. If you're in an arena, if you're in a stadium or even if you're in a little club, everything's different every day. Yeah. So you have to try and squeeze in or you have to 
there's always something, oh, the lift's broken, this one. Yeah. Oh, you've got to load over cobbles. Oh, you've got to do this. So there's a lot of challenges. I'll get into it. I'll get into it on the on the blog sometime. Mate, mate we'll, we'll be going into this over the next like couple of months anyway, back and forward with um, different variations of questions and whatnot. Yeah, so but don't don't not listen. You've got to stay now. Now you're listening, everyone. Now you're into it. Now you're into it. Subscribed forever, bro. That's it, yeah. So where do we go from there, Scott? So 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 you've talked about uh, what it's like to be a sound engineer. You've talked about your uh, struggles with regards to certain parts of your job um, and the UK tours. And then on from that... <laughs> just reading away there, aren't you? Yeah, I'm just reading, <laughs> reading, reading away. Notes. Reading some notes, that's it. Yeah, and do, do we... Um, do you, what do you want to know? What do I want to know from here? <laughs> what do you want to know? What do you want to talk about, Scott? Uh, I could. So, well, I suppose like what might be interesting is telling you something that happened when I was abroad. Maybe. Yeah. Oh, mate. You know what? Yeah, I had a few questions for you. They've all come flooding back. Right. Go on. <laughs> g- give us. Uh, <laughs> g- yeah. Go on. Give us a story. Let like, me sound surprised. Hold on. Ask me a question. Let me sound surprised that you're not going to ask it. Uh, I, I want you to tell the story that you're gonna you're gonna tell us. All right. So. What we're gonna do, as I'm gonna as I'm gonna put this, I'm gonna lightly touch on it and I'm gonna develop this more on the website as well. Okay. A little bit. So check out aoppodcast.com. Yep. And on there we're doing blogs and different things. And I'll I'll kind of get into that a little bit more on there. But what I'll do is I'll tell you a story of Japan. Okay. Right now. So it's this story, but it's kind of like condensed. I love Japan. Are you in? No, I just love You'd sm- you'd smash Japan. I'd love Japan. You'd smash love sushi Japan. lad. Yeah, yeah. So Japan's unbelievable. It's unbelievable, Japan. Unbelievable. What a yeah. place. And in fact, this this story was like the first time I went to Japan. And there's a festival over there called Summer Sonic Festival, which is quite a good, uh, diverse festival over there. And when we are over there, I got to see a legendary artist perform with another legendary artist. Oh, I? Yeah. So one of my favourite bands is Foo Fighters. you got to love a bit of Best of You. Love Foo Fighters, you've got, love, you've got to love Foo Fighters, haven't you? I remember when uh, that album came out with Breakout on it and Learn to Fly. Same, yeah. Oh, I was in college when that came out. Yeah, I got. I remember that was one of the first um, uh, bootleg copies of a CD that my dad got me. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I hope no, I hope no one from Ofcom's listening. <laughs> Still got it, lad. <laughs> really disappointed that the cover was only single-sided. Was it from Aflex? No, no. It's do, from you remember, do you remember the bootlegs from Aflex? Yeah, of course I do. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's from a dodgy mate of mine, uh, dad's mate, who worked on wagons in a big... Uh, Supermarket that is very well known. Did they have any Deft Sounds? <laughs> Possibly. That's where I'm going to, isn't it? So, yeah, uh, that was good. Yeah, Foo Fighters was great. That video with me, myself, and Irene was quality break. Yeah, oh, yeah. Anyway, yeah, Foo Fighters were headlining, and we got the opportunity to stand side of stage after we played to watch Foo Fighters. And they kind of do like a little penned area. So, some places, what they call, um, they just don't allow people on stage. Yeah. Some play, some people, some artists. So, Foo Fighters do they allow a little penned area? So we went to this penned area, and I kind of had a little look around, see who else was there, and you can kind of tell who it is. You know, you've got like a Japanese band called Baby Metal are there. They're quite distinguishable. Yeah, yeah, I know that band. Like, yeah. did they do Baby Shark or something like that? No, no, did they? Did they do a Baby Shark? Are you just thinking a baby and Baby Metal, Baby Baby Shark, Shark Baby? baby? Is is that so not them? No, is it completely different? No. Nah, oh, okay. Nailed. I don't know what version. <laughs> you know of baby that song, don't you, Baby I, Shark? I don't know what version of Baby Shark you've got, but it ain't a metal version. 
Have you not? Have you heard the metal I've version? Heard the metal version? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. It's but it's not baby metal. You, you, I see what you've done. I just put my you, words together. You've heard that. baby, and you're like <laughs> baby shark. <laughs> That's the one. Yeah, typical, yeah. <laughs> like an old man. No, it's brilliant. <laughs> what is there? <laughs> eh? Speak up. <laughs> so um, yeah. So I saw Baby Metal at the side there, and then there was like Royal Blood they played just before. They were there, and I could see a chap stood on the other side of the barrier. So he was the other side of this Pandaria gazoon tank going, oh, I thought you were going to sneeze. No, no, yawning. <laughs> yawning I'm not boring you. you that much. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, just, well, just wait until it's your story, Matthew. Kill story, bro. <laughs> anyway, there's a guy stood on the other side of the barricade. And I thought, who's that? Who's that? And he kind of looked familiar, but I couldn't really tell it was because I've got poor eyesight, answer. <laughs> yeah. like, that could be an episode by itself. Yes. Scott, I was poor eyesight. <laughs> Distinguishing people from afar, episode one. And uh, I said, oh, I think I think that's Rick Astley. And the guy I was with, Chris, he was like, well, he's performing today. And I was like, oh, yeah, I've seen that. I've seen his performing. What's he doing there? He must just be like... Why is Rick Astley the other side of the barricade? Like he's no more, he's no like bigger star than Baby Metal in Japan. That's yeah. mad. Why is he there? And we said, should we go watch out front? Yeah, let's go watch out front. As we went out front, he fucking came on stage. Yeah, <laughs> he fucking Rick rolled the stadium. It was unbelievable. Nice. Come out, is like Foo Fighters. Dave Grohl was just like Rick Astley, and he's never gonna give you up. I was like, oh my god. And he's from our end as well, isn't he? He's from Newton, well, Willows, yeah. Hi, lad. Yeah, I, I bet he doesn't even recognise that anymore. What, Newton the Willows? Yeah, being Rick Astley. Yeah, I bet his accent. He lives in London, doesn't he? Rick, if you're listening, yeah. where are you living, pal? Hey, eh? remember your roots. You want to come on podcast, lad? It's New- <laughs> yeah, it's Newton the Willows. Isn't it? Is it Wigan? Is it part of Wigan or is it part of St. Helens? Well, that's St. Helens, I'd say. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's part of Wigan. That's a bit of Placky Scouser, isn't it, I suppose? The, uh, you took a video of this, didn't you? Did you showed me a video of it before? I did. And is it is it on website? Do you know exactly? Oh, there you go for all you listeners out that. there. It's on a it's on website. Boom. It's, it's on the blog, and it's called Rick Road in Japan. Nice. That's the one. So that's a little story. But yeah, those little things. In, in, you know, I have abundance of those. Yeah, yeah. Because that's the beauty of touring as well. Is that you kind of get to experience little things like that. Going to Niagara Falls. You know, watching. I, I once watched a documentary in a town. And it's called Evil Genius on Netflix. Have you seen it? I know the name. No, I've not watched it. It's about a guy who gets a bomb strapped around his neck right. and gets sent on this like treasure hunt as such. Doesn't end well for him. This sounds mental. It doesn't end well for him. But, but you was in the town. And then yeah, so I watched it. I was in, I was laying in bed on a day off on tour, and I was watching this documentary called Evil Genius, and they said Erie, Pennsylvania, and I went. I'm in Erie, Pennsylvania. Oh, what you were watching it whilst in? I was in Erie, Pennsylvania. Yeah, oh. so I looked to see where this uh, where his body was found. It was outside this bank. It was a mile away. Oh, that's grim. So I got dressed. No, you down, didn't. I went down there <laughs> did to you? see the torch marks on the floor. No, I did a bollocks. No. <laughs> but so so the mad the mad thing about that story, this is the the best bit of it, or the the coup de grace is when I clicked it on, I was laying on the bed and like on a day off, you just like, you order, you know, Uber Eats, you know, you just, you chill out in your bedroom, you know, you take your clothes off, you're alone. No, <laughs> no one's coming in. Because yeah. you, when you live with like everyone, all you want to do sometimes, you just lay there and you're done. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But go for a bath. Sure. Clean yourself. And then I, just, I ordered pizza. I ordered from this little local pizza shop. Oh, right. And part of the documentary is, is that the guy who got a bomb tied around his neck ordered from a local pizza shop 
Well, no, he was he was a delivery boy for the local pizza shop. Are you insinuating that it was the same local pizza It wasn't. Shop? It wasn't. That would have been great, though, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, I, I thought you were going no, there. No, no. But that, that's, that's good enough, though, isn't it? Jesus uh, Christ, nothing's good enough for you, you is it? You should have lied. <laughs> you should have lied. It was... Um, so, yeah, I ordered, I ordered a pizza, and then I was watching the TV, I was watching this, this episode, and it said, yeah, so the pizza guy turned up at this house, and then he got a bomb strapped around his neck. Oh. And I was like, where is this? Erie, Pennsylvania. Next minute. Grim. I was like, hello? Got your pizza. You got anything else, pal? You got a bomb? <laughs> Do I need to put my shirt on? Oh, no. Pizza was all right, though. Was it? From what I remember. Oh. Anyway, tour stories. Nice, nice. I'll, I'll, get, I'll give you some more in a episode. I've got another one I want you to tell, but uh, I don't think you'd tell it. And Go I'm on. not going to mention Go it. No, 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 no. Tease me. No, I'll tease you afterwards because it's uh, it's far too mental for you to mention, I think. Oh, right. I've got I'll, a mental I'll, story. Yeah, I'll let you uh, decide one day. <laughs> I know you will. <laughs> oh, maybe that'll be on like outcuts that you've got to pay for or something. So you've got me thinking now. Yeah. Now, now you've probably got me missus going like, what's, what's the end about? <laughs> It's never as bad as as you think it out. No, never. You, you love the Japan story, but really, to me, it's not interesting. And I, I hope there's some people out there going, that's not interesting. Well, to me, I, Scott. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's uh, that's my job. That's what I do. That's where I go. And I'm not right now. You're not, lad. So, so what did you have booked? What, oh, what have you missed out? Well, I was supposed to start. So, I finished in, in Australia in Japan. Um, I finished in Australia in January. And I was having a couple of months off, two months off, nearly just enjoying my time and I was starting with a new artist mm-hmm. I'd done two tours with him previously but then I, he took me on full time and um, I was going around the world his his album came out Friday actually I think it's his fifth album and it shot up the charts already so, so it's number one well it's not technically it came out on Friday so there's no chart position for it just okay. yet the chart comes out next Friday but yeah he's, he's big up there and we was going to be with him all year basically and that was going to start in America in like March, April, and then mm-hmm. we were going to do uh, a support tour in stadiums in the US. Well, they call them sheds, and amp- little amphitheaters okay. in America. Then we're doing a world tour. So right now, well, in fact, this weekend we're supposed to be running a Leeds Festival. Oh, really? We're supposed to be there for the oh, Leeds Festival. Oh, of course it was. Oh, it's Bank Holiday this weekend, isn't it? That's right, yeah. Is it this weekend? No, sorry, I'm, I have no weekend. idea. Yeah, I have yeah, no weekend. idea what day it is and what <laughs> or anything, mate. Sunday. Next Sunday. Sunday. Yeah. yeah. So... That's what I was going to be doing. And then, yeah, that was the year, basically, with that artist and from California. Right. Unlucky. Gone. Uh, it'll come back, bro. It's gone. It'll come he, back. He's got, he's got to be sorry now. Like, if we would have done everything that we were going to do this year with that artist, it would have been busy. But it that always, always amping up to this album that he's done. Yeah. And this album's, like, got some mega, mega songs on it. Right. I can write a lot of things about him. It's called Black Bear. Yeah, nice. I wasn't quite sure whether you was going to mention. <laughs> yeah, I won't get done for copyright, don't <laughs> <No>. worry. <laughs> Not really. Black Bear. That's how we say it in Wigan. Black Bear. Black Bear. Um, so yeah, so that was that's that's what I what I was going to do, and hopefully it'll return next year. He's got he's got stuff planned for next year. Yep. But if that starts or not, I don't know. You never know. It might help. Um, it, it might it might work out best for him anyway with it coming out and booming straight up the chart. Uh, he's going to smash it either way. Even if I'm part of it or not, he's going to smash it either way. And yeah. he's one of the best people that I've worked for, to be fair. Right. He, he really revigored, revived me um, from a bit of a slump where I was just a bit down about stuff. And getting onto that and knowing that I could do the job really well for him was wicked and he really appreciated the work that I did and so did the production and it, he's just a wicked guy to work for. Sure. So, nice. Wicked. Oh, love me, Black Bear. Yeah, that's what people would normally say. 
Any Southerners listening, that's what they'd say. That'd be, that'd be the slag off. He's American, isn't he? Yeah, he's from, well, he's from Florida, but he lives in California. Lives oh. in Los Angeles. Nice, nice, bro. Any Americans listening, that's a poor accent, though, I'm sorry. Anyway, let's switch it around now. Well, we've got one more question, oh, haven't we? Oh, God's sake. We've What's got favourite places, bro. Sorry, I keep tapping my Wigan. pen. Wigan. Uh, <laughs> favourite places in countries you've been? Hull. Hull. <laughs> Bridlington. I hope that's a lie. No, nah, favourite place is America, man. Like, if I'm touring anywhere, I'd love to tour America because it's a lot like here, but better. Yeah. Better weather. I wouldn't say better food. I'd say better people. Right. Better environments, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, I love going to Japan. I love Australia. I love all I love everywhere. Germany. Love Germany. Love Germany. Germany's, yeah. Germany's wicked, mate. Yeah. I love, I love how diverse Germany is. Germany's very diverse. Like, you've been to Berlin. Yeah. And what's in Berlin and what's in Bavaria, so like you know, Munich and Stuttgart. That's so different to what's in Berlin. And, sure. then, you, and then you go up to Hamburg, <laughs> the Reeperbahn, yeah. and it's completely different up there. And then, you know, you go down to like <clears throat> Frankfurt and that's completely different. What, um, just for, <coughs> just forget a question I've never asked you really, best food you've ever eaten abroad, if you remember. Oh, I know God. you've obviously eaten a hell of a lot. Anything stand out at all? Right, so as boring as it is, right, New York pizza. Yeah. Proper New York I'd pizza. I'd love to try it. There's a place called Lombardi's, which is like one of the oldest pizza places in New York. Ah, uh, I know this place, yeah. Unbelievable. Like, <laughs> amazing. <laughs> Just unbelievable. And then, uh, currywurst. You must have had a currywurst. I've never before. had a currywurst. How have you never had a currywurst? Beca- because I'm always like... You would like a sausage. Is it is it real German or is it one of those weird English things no, that we've done? Def, it's defo German. Yeah. yeah, it's defo German. Uh, well, no, I've never had one. It's a bit, I suppose it's a bit English, Englishified, I suppose. I know what you're saying though, a bit like chicken tikka masala vibe. Yeah, I never trust stuff like that, yeah. Well, I mean, it's just a frankfurter in curry sauce with pommes frites with chips in it. I love pommes frites. That's basically what it is. And that's it. I mean, you could say like, oh, I've had Kobe beef in Japan. I've not. But, you know, I'm not looking for that. I'm looking for that. Oh, <laughs> I'm the, not looking the, for that. These southern fried chicken wings. Are oh, in a mate. Bar, blah, yeah, blah, big blah. time, big time. Like in America, just America in general. Buffalo wow wings. Yeah. Like it's just, a, it's a crap chain. It's yeah. a crappy chain. We don't have it over here. So you can sit there and order wings and a pitcher of beer for $5. Oh. Yes, go on then. I'll do that, thanks. A pitcher of beer for $5. Yeah. That's insane. With wings. Sounds banging. And you can get whatever wings you want with whatever sauce you want. America is a land of is the land of choice. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's insane. You land sit down and lad. you say, Can I have can I can I have a lemonade, please? Would you like peach, strawberry? And you're like, watch it le- lemonade. Yeah. Yeah, but what do you want it iced? Just lemonade, please. So like the the, the the land of choice is America and I love that. Nice. I love that. Nice bro. Right. Cool. Done. All right, we're going to move on. Yeah, what we're going to move on to. <laughs> right, so that, that's me wrapped up in a nutshell. Yeah. Now we're going to dig into you. I'm going to really oh, dig. Oh, mate, let's make it fast. Dig, dig, <laughs> dig, dig, dig. Right, Matthew Nutter. Yes, bro. Welcome to the Eight Podcast. How's it going? <laughs> what do you do for a job, mate? Me, lad. I'm a chef. Oh, wicked. I'm for a do- work at Domino's. Currently head chef of a nice place called The Green Lab. When I say nice. Listen, I'm asking the questions. I didn't ask you where you were to say oh, what you do for a job. A up. A up. Yeah, so you're working at that place in a, in Manchester at the moment, a Northern Quarter, which you started, which we'll get into in a bit, in, into a bit but you, sure. you started that with a development chef and now you've gone to be the head chef there, right? Yeah, yeah. started as a, a consultant development chef and due to COVID and Go everything, up. I thought, you know what, I need a bit of security here and they offered me 
um, an extremely good offer, and I jumped at it. Yeah, you're, like you're it. super happy now. Love it, mate. You're yeah. super happy. I mean, yeah. you've had you've had a little bit of a turbulent time. I want not turbulent time, but you've had a few changes in being a chef and being sure. uh, and, and stuff like that. So what we'll do is we'll, we'll find out how you got started, basically. So after leaving Scutter, where did you start? You went straight to a restaurant position. Did you go straight to a restaurant position? Did no, you? so... so chef, chef position, sorry. So, so from leaving a rural business, I, um, I got into a little bit of debt and then a job came up at a local harvester. Oh, yeah, right, yeah. so you did, yeah. So I jumped as a pot wash for three months and then jumped on the front line um, as a starter chef. And did you... Is that what you wanted to do when you, when you left Scutter? Did it, was it like to be a chef or was it... No. Or was there just a job going as a pot wash? No, it was a gentle push from my mum to push me into a chef role right. to get some money because obviously I had none. Yeah. And that was it. Cripple, uh, it was, crippling weed debt. Yeah. You've got to pay off this drug dealer, Matthew. Yeah, my mum didn't know about the drug dealer. She didn't even <laughs> know how much I was in debt from what, dealing weed. What did you think the bong was in your room? Did you think it was just a, an ornament? Mate, she'd been finding bongs for the last five years before that from my older brother. Yeah. Um, she found a lot more with us. <laughs> we'll leave that. So it was a job that was there, and uh, uh-huh. I jumped at it. Smash the pot wash. A sh- couple of chefs got chucked out. I jumped on the front line as a uh, starter chef, commie chef, whatever you want to call it. In there, it was just a starter chef. And I enjoyed it. I found um, I found a bit of a sense of purpose and meaning in that kitchen. Nice. So, a bit like me, y- th- there was no formal training. It was just kind of baptism by fire kind yeah, of thing. Oh, yeah, big time in there, yeah. And then fr- from that point then, we did, as we discussed earlier on, you took the same approach I did or we did and um, we just fecked off yeah one year in and I decided that I'd done with this kind of thing uh, the lifestyle the the bad food it's, and it's not crap food but it wasn't what I wanted um, and yeah an opportunity just like you came up out of nowhere really yeah and an opportunity to jump over to France and work as a head uh, sorry not head chef a chef again uh, sous chef P- uh, at PGL PGL, lad, yeah. Uh, what does yeah. it stand for? Uh, uh, <laughs> parents get lost according to you. But that's, what, that's what we used to say. Yeah, yeah. Kids, yeah, yeah. Uh, the real one, I can't even remember. I still still don't care. What's the French version? Say it in French. Parents get lost. PGL. 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 Café Olé. So that mustn't have been good food, though. So That was just an opportunity to go away, was it? No, 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 no. Um... I didn't have a clue what PGL was when I went for a start. It was just did you like not you do said. PGL in school? No, we didn't do PGL. We did right. something else. So if for the listeners, if they don't know what PGL is, PGL was like an activities weekend that used to go on. That's right. It's activities weekend for doing canoeing and whatnot. It's an awesome, awesome opportunity for kids. Yeah. Um, food wise, in England, PGL's food is much like what you'd expect: chicken nuggets, chips, blah blah blah. Sounds banging. Yeah. Turkey smileys. In the turkey dinosaurs. In. Uh, in France, we used all fresh foods, so we had beef bourguignon, lasagna, whatever, but also at the side... What was for dessert? A cigarette? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, we had decent desserts, really good there. It was uh, like a cigarette. Tatoe and whatnot. Have you seen, uh, not to sound condescending to any French people listening, but have you seen Pink Panther? Uh, yes. With Steve Martin? Uh, for a long, long, and he, long he tra- time. And he tries to speak... He tries to speak English or American. He's, got, <laughs> he's French, and he, 
So he gets a vocal coach, he gets a voice coach trying to teach him. <laughs> and she goes, I would like to buy a hamburger. And he goes, I would like to buy a hamburger. <laughs> she goes, no, a hamburger. And he's like, hamburger. <laughs> Still makes me laugh, that. Mate, I, I remember the treat was going to Mackey's down the road because you're there for like five months. You get a Royale with cheese. Uh, I remember going there and I'd been practicing my French. And like, uh, <laughs> Big Mac, s'il vous plaît. Le croque monsieur. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate. Um, so, yeah, France was fantastic. Loved every bit of it. And Lived I in ended a tent. up. Yeah, ended up living in a tent because that's what we had, tent city. Nice. And uh, still, it's, it's still four it, summers on the trot, I, I went that's there. That's a long time. That I didn't even realise it was that long. Yeah, yeah. That is a long time. I loved it, mate. And it I know was you a, did. It was good escape as well. Yeah, I know you did. You kind of, you, you did, I don't think you developed any love friendships over there. Did you? Uh, sorry, any any love interests over there? You, no. You, you, took, you took a girlfriend over there. Yeah, so I was with a girl the entire time. and Over the, the four years, was it? Yeah. Was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the last two times I went, uh, she came. Oh right, that right. Okay, yeah. right. That's what. That's where I'm getting it. Yeah, mixed up. Yeah. So from from PGL from the food, which kind of, I, I I'd assume you you more took a liking to the lifestyle more than the food, but you were still taking a lot away from the food as well. Nah, and learning nah. how to cook food. It was it was a mixture. So. Obviously, the lifestyle was fantastic, but for the third, for the last three times I went, I was head chef, so everything was on my shoulders. So right. it wasn't just a case of following a menu; it was following my menu, which was absolutely fresh as hell. So this, so so it was, it was a progression for you to it, learn how to be a head chef, I suppose. It was the biggest progression of my life to deal with other people's emotions, and as a twenty-one-year-old young lad trying to deal with my emotions at the same time mm. which is mental really yeah uh far too young to take a head chef role on but the, the the giant steps that i achieved from that were would surpass any progression i would have ever taken if i'd you know just chilled out and and took the usual steps yeah it completely completely makes sense though like yeah you know being being baptized like that you know straight away and having to jump into that role and then you being, na- not, I suppose it is naivety. Oh, yeah. But it's yeah. also a bit of ego. And yeah. we all kind of need that in our lives to be a bit naive and yeah. also have that ego at the same time and step into those roles because that's where you learn super fast. Pressure makes diamonds, man. Oh, that's a great saying. Yeah, yeah. That's a wicked saying. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah it does. It, it, it really does, you know. I, I go with the old, you know, you throw me in and I'll swim. Yeah, of course. Do you know what I mean? That's, yeah. what, that's what I always go with. And... I always see I always see life as a ladder as well. I always see everything as a ladder and mm-hmm. everything that we do in life is a new rung on a ladder. And sometimes you've got to step back down that I'm getting deep. But sometimes you've got to step back down that ladder to learn that you can go up again. Hundred percent. And I think that's a it's a very important bit that you did out in France is that you, you once you lived on your own as such with your missus on a couple of occasions. Mm-hmm. But you developed friendships, you lived in a tent which cannot be easy, tent city, and then you just to put this right it wasn't a tent on the side of the road was it it was a community it wasn't just like you didn't pitch it under the m61 did you do you know what i mean no no so so we lived on like um a giant community it wasn't even that big actually but yeah we just had one separate field that was ours drinking wine and eating brie oh yeah pretty much yeah Yeah. and we had barbecues and i get duck and stuff like that yeah it's pretty sick though i mean that's that's where you kind of cut your teeth with it with it all that's what i would say anyway yeah yeah and then from there we're going to move on very, 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 sure, very, yeah. very quickly. But you moved 
you moved back to the UK, you got your own first house, started yeah. renting your first house, and then you started working at different pubs in different positions and working under a lot of new people. Like That's you right. was you was in Standish, was it? Yep. In Wigan. And then you moved from there after working under a guy who I believe he's still friends with now. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. And then you started working at Rosette restaurants then didn't, didn't sure, you? Yeah. So you st- you stepped up massively. You went from a head chef though down to like being underneath like a chef de party, is it? So so every time I went to France as head chef, I made sure I'd come back to commie chef, then back to right. head chef, back to chef de party, back to com- uh, head chef, back to commie chef again, and back and forward until I actually earned my stars uh, within the industry at home right. rather than letting that ego take over and assuming I knew everything because I was very aware I, w- I didn't know everything. Yeah, so that so that arrogance slipped a little bit because then you really found the appreciation for what for how to get there in a different way as well. Mm, do you yeah. know what I mean? So that's that's great. And the place that you worked at with the Rosettes, I remember your passion at that time where you were like, we are we are going to be the first Manchester restaurant to have a Michelin. Mm-hmm. Um, and you were pushing forward all the time in that place. Yeah. And the big thing what listeners need to understand about you is that you're flipping as fuck. Yeah. You you can stick with something for a while, but the second you realise that you've had enough, you've had enough. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You're like, I'm, I'm gone. And there was a big process in you as well, learning to be a chef, like with Francis, you kind of had enough of over here. And that was a bit of a reason why you went to France. Sure, yeah. And then you had other travelling ventures going to like Australia and India. Yeah. And New Zealand in between. And it, New yeah. Zealand, yeah. 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 And then you kinda yeah, you just you just kinda built you kinda built yourself up as well because you were obviously you're still growing, still learning. Yeah. But you grew up a lot in that time as well. Um, trying to like better yourself and what I mean what I mean by that is like I say the ego the naivety of being a chef in, in France and then dropping the arrogance to work on someone mm-hmm. and then build it back up. You found a different a different level to make yeah. yourself better. Yeah, big time. I mean in between all that in between all that that arrogance. It's like a kick. <laughs> yeah. Going back and forward, yeah. No <laughs> first you put <laughs> First, you put the cream in. We don't need to compare it to a cake. But <laughs> <laughs> Life's just like a cake, Matthew but, Nutter. There's, there's, there's so much progression you can have within being a chef. And then you think you're doing really well, and then you'll meet a chef that absolutely blows your mind and makes you realise that you are fucking nothing. Yeah. And I try to meet a lot of those people. And every time I meet those people, they also have that, assumption that there's someone out there better than them well and i think i think there's always someone better than us yeah and that's how we get better and better that's and how better. we that's how we yeah. drive ourselves yeah, yeah that's completely right yeah yeah we definitely drive ourselves by meeting those kind of people and if we surround ourselves with people that we're better than if you're the best person in the room you're in the wrong room 100 fucking percent you know yeah. so yeah. it's always great to be the best person in the room and it will do your ego wonders but you should always be trying to push yourself harder and harder and harder in life. Yeah. It's the best thing. And talking about pushing harder, you, after, so I just mentioned India, you went to India and then you started eating a lot of veggie stuff, didn't you? Yeah, there's, there's a few things going on. I started eating veggie stuff in India. I was traveling India for a short time with one of my best friends who him and his girlfriend had gone vegan. And then I got into ultra marathon running and read a few books. (laughs) Just fell into that. Yeah, just yeah. Fe- just fell into running three marathons in a row. Yeah, uh, fe- fell into. Did, did you do an ultra marathon? I did one, but um, it was it was thirty k. No, sorry, not thirty k. Fifty k. 
Right. So that's only a little bit. It's only ten, 10k I thought, I thought, more than a marathon. I thought an ultra marathon was like two or three marathons. No, no. An ultra marathon is classed as anything past a marathon. Okay. So 27 miles is technically. Oh, right. But, good to know. Um, Didn't know. Won't be running it, but yeah, good to know. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I'm quite proud of that, even though I'm very aware that it was like the first ultra marathon you do. And then Chris Evans on the radio the other day was kind of like, yeah, it's not really an ultra marathon, is it? Uh <laughs> You, All right, you can't. Just who was it? Was just, it just because you run marathons? Chris. Was it Eddie Izzard? Yeah, and he Tw- ran twenty six in twenty six. Twenty six in twenty six days. Jesus, no, no, thanks. You're all right. Don't want to do that. Hard as nails, that that, that boy. That is a ridiculous, though, isn't it? Yeah. So anyway, you went to this. You started getting into ultra. So yeah, sta- started getting into the ultra marathons. The idea that plant based was the way forward, and that changed my entire perspective on cooking. And out came as you just mentioned, plant food, and out came from that experience. Yeah. Plant food, power chef, right? Plant food, power chef, my first food business. And that that was uh, pop-up restaurants. That was the idea of it. Yeah. Me and my missus started, well, we started, it's a long story, I won't get into it now, but we basically started a market stall, then a pop-up restaurant, and that pop-up restaurant over time became a real restaurant in Stockport. Just as a side note, you started this pop-up restaurant in Wigan. I started it in Wigan. Which is, listen, if you've been to Wigan... Wigan's known for, for pie shops. Aye. How many pie shops are in Wigan? Too, too many. There's shitloads, isn't there? Yeah. Like, you cannot walk, I'd say, 50 yards without bumping into a pie shop. Easy. That's yeah. that, And that's been, that's been optimistic. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah, there's a pie shop on every corner. And then you open a vegan, well, plant food restaurant in a pop-up shop, which is a whole food shop. Yeah, so a fine dine vegan restaurant in a whole food shop that was struggling at the time. Still, it ended up closing, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> not, o- not, not because you didn't sell pies. Strangely but, enough, yeah. on the only street in Wigan that had another vegetarian mm. restaurant, mm. It, but it was a cafe kind of thing. It was a chip time. shop, you just didn't serve fish. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Mr. Chips here, Wigan shout out. Um, like, yeah, so you... you it was great. So you started Plant Food Power Chef. Yeah. You're doing pop-ups. You were doing market stalls. Yeah. You were doing all sorts. There was talks you'd been, um, I think, food truck at one point, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you just started doing everything, and then you moved straight to Liverpool. Well, the business moved to Liverpool, didn't it? For a short time, for three months, until we found the restaurant in Stockport. That's right. And then, yeah, the, the, big, the, the, big, the big part of this is that you then decided to open up a restaurant Called yourself. the allotment. That's right. The yeah. allotment. Yeah. yeah. In in Manchester, well, in Stockport. Yeah. And that was a gamble as well. Stockport. It wasn't even in Manchester, which yes. is which is a nice charm to it, though, isn't it? Massive gamble, but we didn't know any better. Uh, we wanted something cheap, cheerful. It was eight grand a year rent, which was super cheap. Yeah. And it was all takeaway shop, right? Uh, it used to be like a. It was an American diner takeaway type shop. Yeah. Before that, it was a restaurant as well. Yeah. It was. So it was a nice little position because it was in the old town of, of yeah, Stockport, wasn't it? Beautiful place. You had uh, the little market up the up the road and oh stuff. Oh man! If you've never been to Stockport, check out Stockport and the old town. Oh, amazing! I'm really up market now. Like proper cool. Well, the thing is, you was you, as as most things happen. You know, when one when one thing moves into that area, yeah, you typically. People go, oh, we sure. can start bringing this in. Yeah, you know, and you was the first in that area. So there was us, and where the light gets in, and where the light gets in was a unbelievable fine dining restaurant still there now, and they were set to open September. We were set to open in August, so near enough the same time. 
um, they've killed it, we've killed it, and we've done that town wonders, thankfully. Yeah, it was it was, it was crazy to 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 think that you open a vegan restaurant in in Stockport was pretty mad. And I remember I remember reading bits where people were like, well, "That's not going to work." Yeah, you know, and you were next to a chippy as well, weren't you? Yeah, One yeah, of we the were. Chip, yeah. Busiest chippies in in Stockport. Or something. Yeah, that's not going to work. That what's this place going to be? I remember stripping the walls for you in there or yeah. something, and they're like, "What pass? What's this going to be, pal?" It's a vegan restaurant. You're like oh, dead dead excited vegan restaurant, mate. Vegan. Uh, yeah, like, yeah. Oh, all right, but yeah, yeah, you did you did exceptionally well, and and again, this was another baptism for you. You had to learn how to be a business with your missus as well, which was quite a new relationship. Really. Was it a year into the relationship as well? It was a year, yeah, and we had a kid on the way. Yeah. And you had you suffer son the same <laughs> week that you opened that restaurant. So yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, and this is you being flippant. Yeah, one kids, one a wife. Now I'm joking, but want to know? You know, you when you make decisions, you make decisions. Yeah, that's, that's the way you are, and you do what you want. It's always been your thing. I think even on your new Instagram post, you put in like hashtag I'll fucking do what I want. Yeah, I did. You're right. Because <laughs> you love that scene. That, that's going to be on your on your gravestone. That. Yeah, yeah. He, he does what he wants. The thing is, sometimes it's not even out of choice. Like when I decided to start the business, there was no choice in starting the business. I mean, it, it wasn't. So it was an idea I'd been back and forward with, and someone pushed me into the position of doing it. It didn't work. Went back to work, and then I had to take a month off work because I had such bad back pains, and when I stopped work for a month it turned out that back pain wasn't just a back pain it was stress because you know you saw tense yeah. and the tense was actually because um because i didn't push myself hard enough in the first time i wanted to start a business mm. so physically it wasn't uh, like my body was tensing up and making me in pain until i finally took that leap and the second i took the leap the back pain disappeared so right. sometimes it's not down to choice sometimes it's a path that you've got to take and well, whether it's destiny or not, it's something that you've got to do sometimes. I think it's a mental thing for you. It's a, it's, a, it's a big mental thing. Yeah, maybe, yeah. As soon as you start to unlock that. Because because around the time when the allotment was happening, you know, you was pushing forward so hard because you kn- you understood as well that this was it. This is do or die now. If mm-hmm. I'm having this restaurant, I'm doing it. and I'm properly doing it. Yeah. And that's what you did. But at the same time, a real interesting point was... Like you were making stupid claims as well, which which we'll get into in a minute. Which I say stupid, bold is, yeah. is the correct bold word. Bold is the right is word, the correct yeah. word. Bold, it was bold claims, and at the same time, I think with these bold claims that you made. So the bold claim I'm talking about, just to get it out of the way, was you turn around to I believe the Manchester Evening News, yeah, and said that you would make an aubergine taste better than a steak. That's right. Which is fucking bold. <laughs> yeah, like but, like yeah. A, an aubergine tastes nothing like a steak. Just to, I know why you did it. You don't need to. You don't need to talk me. Into no, it. people. People assume I did it for attention or like for, for the for the means of the business. Sometimes but it wasn't. It was just one of those bullshit things I did. It's something. Sometimes it's just something that comes out. Yeah. You know. And I, I sent you a picture a couple of days ago of that aubergine steak. That's right. Yeah. And it was wicked. Yeah. And it looked like a steak. Yeah. And it, it was wicked. Yeah. It was wicked. But I had a fillet steak last night, and it, uh, I remember that being better than. Ste- uh, I'm joking. <laughs> I eat steak a lot. <laughs> I'd rather eat steak. Yeah, you're not vegan anymore, are you? <laughs> I'm not vegan yeah, anymore. Yeah, you're not, you're not vegan anymore. But at that time when you was doing the whole aubergine steak thing, yeah, you know, I think what that caught the attention of other people and you started pushing forward with the other things as well. And you kind of got to a point where you nearly, well, there's two things really. You nearly started doing a frozen vegan menu, didn't That's you? That's right, yeah. Uh, that was going to be served at like these frozen food shops, Iceland and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, 
And then you also were looking at doing a TV show with like Channel 4 or something, weren't you? Yeah, so so many things came my way. And when you look back, it it was just obviously not my time. It's not something I I, I pushed it away in the end. But the the Iceland Frozen Range, I I became a consultant for a very well-known frozen food company. And they were real close with Iceland. Um, Brexit happened and all that came collapsing down, so it never left. It never yeah. started. Yeah, it's ma- it's massive now. Uh, what frozen food range? Ve- frozen vegan, vegan food. Yeah, range. massive. Yeah, yeah. 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 But see, at the time, sorry, just to de- detract a little bit. What you did when when we said like you was one of the first in Stockport to do this vegan restaurant. Yeah, you was one. Of, you know, you hit the vegan craze. We'll call it. Yeah, plant food craze right at the start of it. Before on, it was really popular. Bang on the money, yeah. You know, you hit it, bang on, yeah. yeah. So even like with you with being this vegan food, you know, Iceland stuff, it was on the cusp, wasn't it? Sure. You was on the cusp of it. So it was really, it's really interesting that you was literally, you found a groove and whoosh, slid in there straight yeah, away. Yeah, yeah, You know? Yeah, real lucky, yeah. And then, um, so yeah, so then you had the restaurant, you had the restaurant for two years? Two years, then someone came along with a deal. Uh, a very fragile time in my life. And was it Noel Edmonds? <laughs> no, I wish. I love Noel. Noel. <laughs> you know what? I messaged Noel uh, when I was about nine years old, sent him a letter, you know, for getting... House party. House party, lad, yeah. yeah, yeah. Never got back to me. Mr. Blobby. Yeah, so if you're listening, Noel, you really upset me, lad. Yeah. Noel, mind. O- offer him a deal. <laughs> Please. <laughs> come on, sure, lad. That's it, yeah. Come Are you from come Wigan? On, come on, yeah. <laughs> Are you Northern? <laughs> Not allowed. It's called A up. So, yeah, and then you got offered a deal, and reluctantly, I may add. I mean, you you was going through a turbulent time, like you was just describing. Yeah, it was fragile. Everything was fragile, and I decided to take a deal that, um, I don't want to say was a negative ending because it certainly wasn't. But I ended up leaving the business shortly after opening, yeah. and it was probably the best decision of my life it's in terms of yeah, and. That's took me on the roller coaster. That has eventually got me here in a in a very positive fashion. May I add? Yeah, I mean, wh- when you was you know it was your baby. The the allotment was the yeah. br- was your, and you 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 birthed it from something small. You know, from doing pop ups to doing in stores to doing um, cafes and to doing all this, and it, it grew. It, the idea grew, 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 grew to, mm-hmm. to something massive. Yeah. And then you was getting all this kind of compliments and everything. And the food was the food, as I've said before, was exceptional. Mm-hmm. And you were being awarded stuff for, for the food. You know the reviews were great and everything. And you was on such a high, but it really didn't help your mental health because what you soon realised is running a business is not easy. And you being who you are and being the way that you perfect things, even your menus. You know you were doing eight. It was eight course taster menus. Uh, seven and ten, yeah. So, like. To do that, to get the prep for that, you were then sleeping in the restaurant mm-hmm. and stuff like that because you couldn't get home in time. You didn't, you know, that an, an extra hour of sleep would be more beneficial. Yeah, and you kind of put yourself in a bit of a shit position, really, with your mental health, didn't you? I mean, it was kind Terrible. of like it was you were suffering quite a lot with it. So at that point, you understood that, and when this offer came in, you know, you tried to, you sold the business basically, and well, then you were asked to continue as a chef, wasn't you? Uh, t- yeah, so I didn't sell the business. I didn't make any money. I, there was. Well, you l- sold the idea. Uh, no, I didn't make it. No, there was no. <laughs> what did you fucking sell then? Mate, there's a little bit of trickery in all of this. Aubergine steak. And that's where it, uh, it gets complicated. Um, it was an offer for me to go and work on a salary 
and nothing really. Yeah. The papers for sale were in the post and never arrived. Right. So there's a little bit of trickery from one side, a little bit of naivety from my side, and that that's it. That that doesn't need to be going into. But uh, <laughs> I lost everything. It, yeah. it, it's a grim story. No, no, I know, I know, it, I know it is. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. But I, my point isn't. Uh, my point is, it could have turned out to be a grim story if I'd decided to keep all of that emotion. But going yeah. forward, it was a, a great opportunity because I passed on the restaurant, which realistically I needed to get away from. I got out of it, um, not clean-handed, but got out of it. And yeah, I, I I I found myself in a position where I promised my family I would never put them through what we have just been through previously. Yeah. And we were on the edge of going through that pain again. Yeah. So I stepped away from it like that, see you later. And that was it, man. It was a, a roller coaster ride a- after that to get to to where I am now. Cause, yeah, you you don't to to make a decision and drop everything. Something that you've spent so long building, it takes uh, some balls looking back. Well, I remember having that conversation with you. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I remember sitting there and going, "You've got to let it go. Yeah. You know, this is not the end of the allotment. Yeah. This is just it's just taking a different turn, and you will open another allotment at some point in life. Mm-hmm. But right now." It's not what you need, and you knew that you kn- you knew that you needed an income, and you need to walk away yeah. from the pressure, like you say, for your family's sake, and you know you put you put your family over everything else, which mm-hmm. is the right thing to do. Yeah, at that time, so you kind of you kind of like what you did from that point. Would you know we'll get into this a little bit now. So from that point, you kind of like went away to go back down the totem pole, didn't you? Take a few steps down the ladder again, and then start back in corporate. Was it? Yeah, it, w- it was a weird one. A restaurant opened up at the exact perfect time in Manchester. It was a wellness, health food type restaurant, so they said. And it took me on as a development chef. It was a bit more corporate than what I was working in. Um, and then a couple of months later after that, things weren't going well business-wise for them. So they offered me a different role, which I didn't want to take. So I left and then I went into working self-employed as a uh, development chef for two different companies. Yeah, so uh, back in episode two, we we touched on when we started Scutter mm-hmm. and we said when we moved to Wigan doing the big thing Yeah, and it was like, they're earning this and we can get this and That's four right. times this is this Yeah, and we're going to earn all this money and it's amazing. Yeah, You went from like that, mentality in the allotment when you never really reached that big number because yeah. you, there was costs and then you came away from it and then when you went into development chef i remember having a phone call with you walking down the lane down the back of here with me and you were just like and i'm earning so much money <laughs> and if i keep this going i'll be on this a year and i was like sick man like you've come from you've come from letting go of your baby yeah. to going back into the kitchen and then going freelance going going self-employed to development and again even you doing that even though it was like what did you have two jobs yeah uh, two restaurants i was working for as a development that was enough for you at the time but what's happened from that is then you started working at this new place in manchester and you know there's a little bit too more to it than you just started working there but you're in this place now where you're super super happy and you're super passionate yeah about it all and it's just developing more and more and more from you yeah and you know I'm sure our listeners would like to know different things about 
the Green Lab. And if you've got time to write things down and get them on the website, that'd, sure. be, that'd be wicked. Yeah, I'll put some links in. I'll put some um, links into the Instagram for sure and try and get some of the photos for our Instagram because it was really, it's interesting stuff. Yeah, I think I think the whole process of you starting at, at Green Lab is, is a good thing. I don't know if you should write it down, maybe start at Green Lab because it's obviously a venture right now. It's something that you're passionate about. Yeah, yeah. You know, but it's just great to see you turn around and, and the way that a career, I think the, the, the point what I'm getting to is that, you know, both our careers have taken soaring leaps, you know, straight from when we finished this scutter mm-hmm. to be growing, 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 growing. And then there was a period of stop. There's a period of reset mm-hmm. and then a period of like back on the horse. And we've both done it yeah. very similar times again, yeah. you know, whereas we've soared so far, both kind of cracked mentally and then had to reset and then attack again in a different frame of mind, sure. you know, with different things. Obviously, you, we've got, we both work in different ways. I've not got a family like you've got a family, you know, so we've both got to attack things in a different way. But I think that's what's led us to where we are now with AOP and yeah. how we're doing this as an influential wellness is to is to tell people that sometimes through hardship we can you can really drag it through and as as hard as it seems sometimes you can come out the other side. You know, even now for me this is an hardship time for me. Yeah. But you know, the grass is the grass is getting greener and greener every time we do something more with podcasts or I'm starting a radio show or you know I'm starting a new I'm actually starting a new job next week. Mm-hmm. So there's all kinds of stuff that's like different. Do you know what I mean? It's it's funny uh, you <laughs> you mentioned me ringing you up as well about the money thing because I was so I was speaking about speaking to someone the other day a young lad who works across the road and he's 24 working in a coffee shop. Every time I go over, he's bitching and moaning about the manager not doing certain things. Or he's, It's such a quiet coffee shop. He sits there watching films on his laptop sometimes. And he's bitches and moaning about how the manager isn't cleaning up after himself. He's coming in and I'm only on minimum wage, man, blah, blah, blah. And I sat him down the other day and I'm like, look, he's testing you for a start. And two, why do you think you deserve to be on such an amount of money? You know, you're on minimum wage. You've not earned anything. You've not proved yourself. You've only been here a month. And we went through this conversation back and forward. And my point was that you go up and down in life within wages and that the wage isn't proof of who you are or how well you're doing. No. And when I called you that time, I had one wage uh, that was massive. I just like when we were kids again, I thought I was going to be on this wage consistently, but through no fault of the business owner, um, certain things happened and I had to stop working for one of the companies for a while. And then through the other company, I had to stop working for them. So I went from massive wage to half that wage to zero within yeah, that, two or three months. Yeah, but that's, been, that's also being self-employed. Yeah, yeah. And part my, of being self-employed. My, my point is that after that, I, w- I went straight into a bakery on minimum wage, uh, really enjoyed it, learnt loads, um, but I knew that the money didn't mean anything. Yeah, it was awesome having a huge wage one month thinking that I was rich. Yeah, yeah. But the money didn't get in way, the way of my happiness still and... Uh, that's such a uh, an important thing to realize when you're in a career, whether you're two two years deep, ten years deep, the money is always going to fluctuate, and that is the least important part of your career. I it, I, I completely understand what you're saying. Yeah, I completely understand what you're saying. We base everything on money. 
we base everything on how much you're earning to for the value of the job that you're doing. Yeah. And that's just that structure in a in a job place. That's the, what that is. But I completely get where you're at. It doesn't denote everything. That wage doesn't denote everything. It's the value that's in the job as sure. well. Yeah. You know. But at the same time, I mean, from my experience, you have to demand a good wage to be not respected, but to sit in a certain category. Yes, yes. So if you undervalue yourself, and this is a big thing of being self-employed, yeah. if you undervalue yourself, you don't get the work because they think, why is he so cheap? Yes. You know, and you're like, that's not cheap. But then, you know, there's diff- there's just different things all, all, all the time with yeah. being self-employed. And you can totally undervalue your employer as well. That's one of, yeah. um, one of the biggest things I've learned. I've not, at certain points in my career, not appreciated exactly what I've got at that time. Well, you don't. Yeah, you don't. You don't. You don't. When it's staring you in the face, you've yeah. you've no idea. Yeah. Until until it's gone, and that's a part of life as well. Is that we have to realize what we do have in front of us is wicked, is good, and try and find that in in, in every job, in every yeah. conversation, in every chance of meeting that you have. Yeah. You have to see the. You have to try and teach yourself to see the good, and that's the point of growing up, man. Big time, brother. I think I think that's a nice way to end it, you know. Yeah, so I think it's great. I think we've done that. I think the listeners have, have found out a little bit about what we do. We're the idea is that we're gonna just let you know what we do and and throughout all the seasons that are to come, we're gonna pull from every experience that we've had. You know, sometimes when the the flan didn't rise. Do you know what I mean? The what? The flan. The flan. Does a flan always rise? You mean a flan? Is it not a flan? Are you talking about a cake? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is it a flan or is it a flan? It's a, it's a flan. There's the F L O N. Is that what you're saying? It? Flan. Flan. <laughs> From Wigan, lad. <laughs> yeah, has that got a flan? No. I'm saying something. Scone or scone. Uh, that's it, scone. Yeah. yeah. Buzz. Yeah. Is it a boss or is it buzz? Buzz, lad. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get into that. That can be a season by itself, that localisms. But. Yeah, so we wanted to touch, and we're gonna we're gonna pull from experiences all the way through our, all the seasons that we're doing. That's the whole idea of this. And episode four, what what are we gonna? How are we gonna round up uh, the whole friendship thing? Are we gonna say episode four is it gonna be about how we've held each other up because you've held me so close so many times? <laughs> uh, you know, tune into episode four anyway. We're gonna talk about different things. We're the importance t- of friendship. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. That is that episode four is going to be rounding up the importance of friendship, and we're going to draw all the positivities and the mental stories as well. A few of them about <laughs> how Scott has held me up whilst walking me home. How oh, you've been lay on your back in a pub shouting, "I need a poo." <laughs> <laughs> we'll get into that one. Well, yeah, you know that was last year. That I think. So, so, uh, two days ago, Saturday morning. Um, Patrick's playing with his trains with no pants on. He says, I need a poo. <laughs> Two minutes later, he's still not gone for a poo. Ah! And As a poo. poo's come out of his bum. But he is disgusted in himself because he's four years old. He was so upset that he's he knows. He's just like you. And he... he so, <laughs> so I picked him up. He still needed to carry on going. Took him upstairs, sat him on the toilet, crying his eyes out. I said, Patrick, don't worry. Daddy pooed in a bagging bag kitchen. I was, you know what? <laughs> I was gonna, I was gonna try and play that off and not tell that story. Yeah, but you told it. Yeah, you but I had to tell him it was that it was an important. It obviously makes that story 
part of my life important yeah. to stop him from being upset. It's brilliant that. It's and brilliant. I, don't worry. Don't worry, Patrick. I know you pooed in the uh, in the lounge, but Daddy's pooed in the yeah. kitchen. I said, I said, Daddy pooed in a bag in the kitchen once. <laughs> And he said, do you always poo in bags in the kitchen? I said, no, no, just once. Uh, j- just once. Your mum knows about it. <laughs> and he's like, oh, do, do you poo in cupboards as well? I said, no, no, oh, just bags. You've just opened bags. a can of worms yeah, there. You've and uh, it's, worms. it's settled in and that was it. Brilliant. That's that's fantastic. That's, that's great. <laughs> so, so if you want to know more about why Matthew pooed in a pa- plastic bag in the kitchen, make sure you check out... Um, aopodcast.com check, check out redbull.com that's how you find out <laughs> yeah so make sure you check out the socials anyway which is always at aopodcast we're going to be on there we're going to be giving you funny little stories and and little just things different stories different tweets different all kinds of things get in touch with us tell us what you think about the episodes tell us if you really want to know why you pooed in the kitchen <laughs> which is f- absolutely one of the funniest things that I've ever heard in my life and do so yeah, welcome to A Up and that was episode three. Nice one, peace. <laughs>